This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fisher Skis. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a wonderful episode for you today with Nate Luby. Uh, Nate in the wild on Instagram. Uh, he's great. He is a photographer, if you uh, if you are unfamiliar, and he's a very good one um, at that. Um, we talk about all kinds of stuff. I feel like every time I say that, it's like, oh, what did you talk about? We talked about uh, how to get paid as a photographer, how to start being a photographer. He's got great advice for that, um, for you guys that are just starting off. Um, in your photography careers, or even if you just want to get a little better at it. Um, we also talk about skiing. We talk about like the aspects of um, photography that we don't necessarily always think about, like fitness, for example, like having to be able to actually go do the things that athletes are doing while carrying camera gear. Um, and in a lot of ways, photographers and videographers are kind of the unsung heroes of a lot of this stuff um, that you see in your Instagram feed, on billboards, on the side of buses, the whole, the whole nine, um, in magazines, if people read those, the whole, the whole, I'm just going to take a jab at a magazine every episode for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, it's a great episode. Nate kills it. And I am, uh, I'm psyched for you guys to listen and watch. Can we just talk about new, new digs. Um, this episode is brought to you by spot insurance. Um, spot insurance is obviously an insurance company that offers insurance for you, the outdoor user. Um, if you are injured on the hill, if you are injured while mountain biking, if you are injured while skiing, any of these things, Spot has coverage available to you. There is also an opportunity if you are someone who is working at a mountain. If you are in management at a ski resort, Spot has a great opportunity to add protection and insurance to your daily lift tickets um, and add it all in. They also have a new partnership with Icon Pass. Um, Spot is kind of changing the game when we think about insurance and safety on the mountain and ma just making sure you're good. Like having a backup plan and like having medical bills suck. Like they're not, it's not a thing that you want to deal with. And Spot will cover you as much as possible. Um, for more information, go to www.getspot.com and we have our own link down in the show notes uh that i'm sure ethan will provide um next up we have our friends at sierra nevada sierra nevada makes all kinds of amazing beers hard kombucha whatever um they're the real deal um they've been a partner for a little while now and it's a wonderful crew of people to work with um so family owned operated and argued over for quite some time now uh based in i don't even know where where are they based Chico, California, and Mills River, North Carolina. Um, I'm holding the Hazy Little Thing IPA, which is a great product, um, if I do say so myself. Um, so go ahead and get yourself some Sierra Nevada beer today. And, uh, yeah, just tell me sent you, I guess. Or just go buy some beer, and I don't really care if you tell anybody that we told you. So um, thank you to Sierra Nevada for supporting the show, as always. And I hope they will continue to do so for the rest of the time um that's basically it obviously if you're on the youtube right now subscribe to the youtube if you are listening through your regular listening platforms 
go ahead and uh, keep doing that. Leave us a review, but also subscribe to the YouTube. Um, it's a new way. It's totally different format. Nobody else in skiing and outdoors is doing this kind of format. And I'm really excited to see what comes of it. It's like, it's a new venture for us. I really appreciate the support. So go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube. And once again, like leave us a review on Spotify, leave us a review on, I'm asking for a lot of things here. Sorry. Um, I'm, <laughs> leave us a review on Spotify, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, just let us know what you think of the show. Help us grow. The show's grown tremendously over the last year. And I'd love for that to keep happening. Um, last thing I will plug before we get into the episode is if you go to molahoods.com, they have these wonderful tech hoodies that are available on their site. And they also have sweatpants, which I'm not wearing right now, but that's because I've literally worn them every day of my life. There's fire sauce on the table, um, because, uh, Taco Bell is my, uh, weakness, but new hoodies, new pants on the screen. Um, you can go and get yourself some of that support a local business, um, in MOLA. Caroline is making all this stuff by hand. It is, uh, the stuff is incredible. It has that like comfy, like I want to wear this all day, every day feel, um, while still being a functional mid layer base layer situation that you can wear wherever I've been basically just lounging. It's my, the pants specifically is my new airplane pant. So, um, Leave review, blah, 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 do all the stuff. Um, and I guess without further ado, here is our friend, Nate in the wild. Um, well, let's do this thing. Um, Nate, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell me how to say your last name and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I mean, I want to hear you take a stab at my last uh, name. My guess me. was, hang on, let me pull up what my best guess was. Uh, oh, dude, Luby. Dude, you nailed it. That's exactly right. Really? Yeah, that's like a one out of a hundred. Nobody gets that. What are the common screw-ups? Also, I've been thinking about this for three days, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of like Luebe. Okay. Um, when, we go, when we go to the Olive Garden, my dad says it's a Louis Because, <laughs> you know, dads. Yeah, dads and jokes and, all, and Olive Garden for that matter. For sure. And uh, I'm not too proud to say that I'm going to steal that joke when I get a little bit older. Yeah, I'm for... not quite dorky enough yet, but it's getting close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how old are you? I'm 34. So actually, I'm getting close enough to, <laughs> to wearing the white New Balance sneakers, yeah. cargo shorts, yeah. making dad jokes. Yeah. The more pockets, the better. That kind of situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I shouldn't I shouldn't just like start this off by shitting on my dad. He's an amazing <laughs> dude. But <laughs> um, yeah, we'll start it off by telling people who you are, what you do, a little bit about yourself, the whole the whole bit. Uh, yeah. So my name is Nate Luby. I go by Nate in the wild around the Internet, and I'm a full time travel adventure, nature photographer and videographer. Never quite know exactly what box to put myself in. I just uh, like to be outside and have a camera. Yeah. How did this start for you? When did you start getting into photography? Yeah, that's a great question. There was no like decisive moment where I was like, I'm going to be a photographer when I grew up. Um, my dad actually, I think, is the reason I got into it because he was a, a passionate hobby photographer, just always had a camera. And we'd go out on hikes and I grew up in the mountains of Colorado. So we were always hiking and camping and skiing. It was just like the thing that we did. You know, our backyard was basically what people usually would drive to to go on hiking trails. And um, when I was in college, I just, you know, was taking photos on my dumpy little cell phone when I was like going out, you know, climbing 14ers on the weekends and goofing around. And I realized that I'd kind of absorbed a lot of random information from my dad over the years. And I was like, oh, I actually like understand how these cameras work. I should buy 
a decently nice one and like try and take this to a, I don't know, just take a nicer photo. And so I bought a camera and I was just instantly hooked because not only was I able to like go on this cool hike with my friends, but then when I got home, I like had something to show for it other than just sore legs. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it was just, you know, kind of addicted. And then I think like most people in my generation, uh, having an easy outlet to share it with like Instagram and Facebook kind of encouraged me, gave me like real time feedback on when I was getting better and when I wasn't and uh, yeah. slippery slope, you know? For sure. And I think there's like, especially when you get to like the social aspect of it, like I always end up talking, whenever I have photographers on, we talk about like the social media aspect of it and how that affects you. And you actually had a really good tweet that I do not have in front of me, uh, do not have in front of me from a couple of weeks ago where you're like, okay, like basically you need to make sure that you're creating stuff in the real world. Like that's the reminder, right? Is to create stuff in the real world and not just base everything you do off of an app that could be deleted at any moment. Totally. Yeah. And that's one that like hits me close to home because I somehow have a pretty substantial amount of Instagram followers. And despite like putting no effort into writing useful captions or anything, I just make dumb jokes. <laughs> but I, I get a lot of people who ask me like how they can grow their social media following. And it really, to me, is like the least important thing to focus on. Um, I know that like sounds like I'm talking down from a pedestal since I, my social media is fine. But uh, you know, I have friends with less than a thousand followers who've won multiple Emmys. And I have friends with half a million followers who can't get a paid gig to pay the bills. And it's, it's like really irrelevant. You know, you need to focus on having a real career Yeah. and not, I mean, social media likes make you feel good and that's it. But if you want to like have an actual career with longevity, you have to have real clients in the real world. Yeah. There's gotta be real substance there. I think for any of that stuff to work. Yeah. Um, how, so this is kind of the other thing that I end up asking all the time is how do you not just become a photographer, but how do you make it your job? How do you monetize that? And how do you start being like, okay, like this is work. How do I make the work still really enjoyable for myself? Yeah. I mean, that's the million dollar question, I guess. And I don't know if there's like a one size fits all answer. I'm still navigating it. You know, I don't have it made in the shade. It's still once or twice a week, get somebody offering to pay me $10 for a photo of chapstick or something. And it's like, how does this, how is anyone going to say the yes send you a gig? tripod. So we'll send you a tripod and send a bunch of pictures to them. And you're like, that's not free. Like that's not free. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a $25 tripod. I wish you could see the room I'm in and how many tripods are like right on the <laughs> other side of my computer. Cause it's like, honestly, at this point you have to pay me to take a tripod. Cause if I have another one, I don't know where to put it. <laughs> Right. Like, even if you don't want photos, you just have to pay me for like storage fee to have the stupid right. tripod. Right. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the way that I got to like do what I like to do, because every photographer goes down this path where uh, you want to be like a, a nature photographer, but somebody wants you to take senior photos or like shoot their right. wedding or graduation photos. And um, it's so hard to say no to because you'll get an offer from an outdoor brand that's like, we'll pay you $50 for a three day hiking trip. And you're like, oh, okay. And then some, you know, person's like, I'll pay you $4,000 to work Saturday. And you're like, oh shit, that sounds awesome. Right. Uh, and so it's really tough to say no to that stuff. And a lot of photographers get sucked down this hole of becoming wedding photographers on accident or mm. portrait photographers on accident, just because it pays the bills. And I think it's just kind of has to be like a drive. You have to just you know, accept those gigs for sure. If you need the money, there's like absolutely no shame in that. And obviously a lot of people love shooting that stuff. But if your goal is to be like an outdoor industry photographer, you have to just constantly be pushing. I'm, I'm still constantly sending pitch emails, 
coming up with ideas, making decks, sending it out to brands. It's just like, it's a never ending, I don't want to say battle, but it's just part of the gig. You know, you're not always taking photos and, and publishing things. You're, I'd say at least 50% of it has to be outreach and planning and, and finding your next client. Yeah. And actually like kind of focusing on the business aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, you know, it always helps to have like cool projects in mind. Not, you know, you can't just email like Osprey backpacks, like, hello, do you need backpack photo? Cause <laughs> yeah. how many of those do you think they get per week? You know? Yeah. But if, if you have a cool idea and you're like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, backpack all the way across the state of Montana. They're like, Oh yeah, this is cool. And you yeah. know, just come up with cool ways to set yourself apart. Yeah. And I kind of, I imagine that once you start to get a few of those gigs that are really cool and you start to build your name off of like the type of work that you've done, it becomes easier, right? Yeah, absolutely. That helps a ton. I was really fortunate. Uh, Sierra Designs was the first company that trusted me and they uh, just like, I had no clients on my repertoire. I sent them a couple photos I took for fun and they liked them and they hired me. Uh, and they didn't pay me very much, but I didn't deserve to be paid very much at that point. And yeah, the second I was able to say Sierra Designs was a paying client, it was it, that like launched everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's for sure. Like that's actually like, it's funny. I talk about this fairly often, but in the beginning we signed Fisher Skis as our like first real paid client, I guess, if we're calling them that or sponsor. And it wasn't for very much money. Like it was like, I forget what it was. It was like 1500 bucks to two grand a year or something like that. Like it was minuscule money, like barely to the point where you're getting paid for yeah. the amount of work that we were doing. But what it allowed me to do was put that Fisher skis was a paying sponsor and then you can sell on everybody else. And that's kind of been like when people ask me how to make money doing this, it's like, well, that's kind of it. It's like, you kind of got to eat a little bit of shit and be, and knock yourself down from a pedestal <laughs> and be like, all right, th this is where I'm at right now. How can I leverage what this brand is giving me? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, good for you for still sticking with them and not like taking that and immediately going to DPS and trying to add a zero. Well, now they're something. paying, like now they're paying me, yeah. they're like taking care of me. So I'm like, now it's a different story. If DPS offered me like double the money, I'll talk to DPS still, you know, <laughs> I am, I am not against like, have, but that's the thing is you should have the conversation with everybody. Like nobody should pigeonhole themselves for any reason. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a balance, right? You know, my number one sponsor is Sony and I genuinely love their equipment and like, it's not a, a crazy amount of money, but um, it opens so many doors because they're like the biggest yeah. electronics company in the world. So just having, I have a business card that says Sony on it and that's insane. So it like, that's insane. The, yeah. You know, like if Nikon or Canon wanted to steal me as an ambassador, they would have to write an enormous check, like way more than Sony's ever paid me just because I like, I actually love the brand. I'm like happy sure. to support it. For sure. And There's so definitely value and loyalty to a brand. And I think that yeah. speaks to who you are, whether it's a podcast or a photographer or an athlete, like showing loyalty to a brand. If, you know, taking a pay cut to stay with a brand you really feel is, is important. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm for sale. If those diet <laughs> want to sponsor me, I'll... <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just um, can I, can I ask you something that I have no clue on? And I think it's a Pete Davidson quote at this point, but what the fuck is an NFT and how do, do they work and how do they work in photography? And like, can you explain this to me? You seem like the right person to at least uh, level with me here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is always such a, a funny conversation because there's like this unbelievably polarized universe where there's people who like won't shut up about NFTs and then there's other people that won't shut up about them because they hate them so much. <laughs> uh, 
but so I'm, I'm right in the middle. I like, I appreciate the concept and I've made a couple, but I'm not a, a like a fanatic either way, but uh, an NFT is just a non-fungible token, which just means like, it's not just a JPEG that you can right click save or like screenshot. That's not the exact same thing. It's, it's locked into a cryptocurrency blockchain so that it is unique and identifiable. It's kind of like if I like printed a photo and I wrote print number one and then signed it, like you can it's like that. Just photocopy that or like get an exact same print, but it's not the one that I signed and wrote number one on, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's just basically like the digital version of that. And so I do see like huge potential in non-transferable or duplicatable. There's a word sure. for that, but I don't yeah. know what it is. Anyhow, <laughs> yeah, uh, non-replicable images. You know, yeah. like if I, I sell a photo to a company and I say this as a one-year license, you could like program that into the NFT that you send to them so okay. that after a year, if they continue to use it, you're just automatically like credited to your account. Like they literally can't steal it. They automatically pay you. There's a lot of potential, but unfortunately right now they're mostly used for uh, like weird animated zombies and apes on yachts and stuff, which. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, it's just, it's anything in its infancy, right? Like think about the early days of the internet and how weird and lawless that place was. And I think that's where NFTs are right now. Yeah. Kind of trying to find a home. So how does that, I guess, how does that affect you as a photographer? Is that like, do you look at that as an avenue to potentially make more money? Do you look at that as an avenue that's worth exploring more? Or do you look at it as something that like could potentially affect what you do negatively? Like, and I'm genuinely curious because I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't actually see a negative downside other than group two that I mentioned before, where like there's some unbelievably angry people who just want to like start fights on the internet. And um, yeah, I've received a little bit of that, but I'm not super into the scene. So I haven't, it's not like a ton, but um yeah. I do see it like long-term being great. And it was, it was cool when it started last year. Cause you know, we were just coming out of 2020 uh, probably not a huge surprise to anyone listening that travel photography <laughs> took a huge hit during 2020 <laughs> was not yeah. booking a lot of travel gigs yeah. during the <laughs> pandemic. So uh, it was kind of nice, like in early 2021 NFTs started up and it was to me, it kind of felt like just selling prints, right? Like I have a, I have a print shop. People can buy a, a 24 by 36 photo for $500 for an example, but you know, I sell maybe 10 of those a year. It's not something I really focus on a ton, but all of a sudden NFTs came out and people were buying a digital JPEG. I didn't even have to print for like $4,000. And it was like, Oh hell yeah, this is awesome. What? That's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And so the, uh, I think the way, like the huge proponents of NFTs, they're kind of betting on humanity, like transitioning into the metaverse, which Got it. I hate that Facebook has like tried to copyright uh, yeah. that whole concept, but I do actually see like, you know, virtual reality is getting sure. really good. We have these cool goggles. We're all already on the internet all the time. So like I could see that happening. And so these people are basically like, they're trying to be the first to the punch to buy artwork for their like digital real estate. Yeah. And I mean, there's totally a chance in 15 years, we're all completely plugged in and they're right. And they're like amazing bet, you know, but I am just a dude who sells art. And so if you guys want to, to bet on that being the future and in the process, buy a bunch of my photos, let's party. Yeah. <laughs> all in. 
Um, yeah. and, and by the way, yeah, the website is beautiful. There's a ton of stuff that you can buy on the website, like, and it's extremely organized. And I think that I, I give you a ton of credit because there's so many photographers out there that don't have an, or, an organized functional website. And that <laughs> sounds like a thing that you should automatically have, but you'd be shocked and, or maybe not shocked at how many people don't yeah. have that. You know what? I think it's funny because people see photographers as like having a great eye for like details and organization, (laughs) but it's really just like, I see something pretty and I can take a photo Yeah, (laughs) and I have to give credit where it's due. My girlfriend is a graphic designer and she whipped me into shape. And she got the website rolling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she definitely guided me. There was, I've sent her a lot of screenshots of my website. She'll be like, that looks stupid. Why did you do that? Move it down. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, it's been, that's been really nice because I, I five years ago was one of those photographers with just a ridiculous website that wasn't very good. I love that. Um, so <laughs> can I ask you about something that you've probably been asked about a lot? Um, Time Magazine Person of the Year 2006. I, I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, but I did no research on it. So I'm like genuinely curious for myself. Like, what does that mean? What comes with that? Like, what, what, like, give me the story here. So I got to tell you, it's a trap. It's just to see if people will put the time in to Google it. I um, did Google it. The Time Magazine Person of the Year that year was it says everybody you. on planet yeah, Earth. It says yeah, you. you. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? So I'm like, I'm so, so confused. Congratulations, man. You, you were also. I figured it out. Yeah, we all were. I understand. I, it's funny because I had to look up your name when it came up, and then the first thing that comes up is Nate in the wild. Nate Luby is the, is the top nature and travel for is at the top of the nature and travel photography game voted time magazine person of the year in 2006 and loved by over 130 K followers on Instagram. And this is Wait, who, where's that written? It's written. It's the first thing that shows up. If you, if you Google time magazine person <laughs> of the year, 2006, Nate, that's what comes up. Literally first thing. Amazing. So like somebody wrote an article about my stupid Instagram. Oh yeah. 10 van life photographers you need to follow. (laughs) Uh, I didn't know you were a van life photographer. I didn't either. (laughs) I I wouldn't describe myself like that. I live in a house. I'm in one right now. (laughs) Yeah. You don't live in a van. And I imagine van life people are having a very difficult time right now with gas prices as they are. So no joke. Um, I actually do. I do own a camper van and I guess maybe that's why they're putting me in that, but it's like a mobile studio on the road. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not driving it right now. I, I went skiing today and I borrowed my girlfriend's four cylinder Honda fit. Cause I was like, <laughs> it's the right not move. A chance. Right move. Where yeah, do you ski? For sure. What's up? Where do you ski usually? Like what's, what's home mountain for you? Or where, where do you frequent? Um, yeah, so I live in Salt Lake City. So today was Snowbird. Okay. Um, we've only been here for a year. So all of these are kind of new to me, which is pretty fun. So I this was my third day at Snowbird. And it was the first time that it isn't like pure whiteout conditions. So it was really nice getting to actually see the mountain. Yeah. Because the last couple, I mean, I don't know if you've skied there, but it's, it's yeah. like really amazing, challenging terrain. And so in like whiteout blizzard, it's, yeah, I'm it's not going to say it's like crazy fun. Yeah. It's kind of scary. So it was nice to be able to see where I was going today. Yeah, that vision there is important. They do not. Uh, I actually all last week I was with the old marketing director from Snow of Snowbird, and like he always says, there's there's not beginner terrain at Snowbird. Like they don't no. make beginner terrain there. I love it. It's so fun if you're in the mood for a challenge. And actually seeing the sun today made it really cool. But sure. yeah, I would say Alta and Snowbird are my favorites, which is a very uninteresting answer for somebody from Salt Lake City. But yeah, how's the traffic yeah. situation? What has that been like? 
Um, I mean, I grew up in Colorado, so for me, this is not traffic. You're, but... yeah, valid. Okay, <laughs> valid. Um, yeah. Have you lived a bunch of different places? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up in, in uh, a small town called Conifer, which is close to Evergreen in Colorado. Okay, cool. Um, most people will probably have to Google where one of those is, but uh, kind of between I-70 and 285. And then I lived there forever, went to Boulder for school, stayed there for about 10 years, and then uh, moved to Seattle for four years. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was, is just how you get some of the photos that you get. Like there's like amazing time lapses that are here. There's like photos of like, of animals that I, I would have never thought to have seen. Like, how do you find this stuff? Do you just happen upon this? Are we searching it out? Like, what's the, what does that process look like? <laughs> I mean, I think it goes back to like the effort thing where I think <laughs> okay. that like any good photograph is just the result of like putting the work in. Okay. Um, very few of the photos on my website were just like happenstance. I'm not going to say none of them, but um, I have a I have a couple photos on my website I shot like out the window of a moving car, but those are pretty rare. It's usually like very meticulously planned and something. Uh, I have like the, that kind of obsessive personality where I like get an idea and I just won't stop until I'm I'm done with it. And I'm sure it drives everybody around me crazy because I'll <laughs> I'll like kick in the door to the living room at 9 p.m. And I'll be like, did you know that Churchill, Manitoba has the <laughs> highest population density of polar bears of anywhere in the world? Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can yeah. see that so, being like everybody being like, okay, like we, we get it. Yeah, totally. I don't know if you uh, got to see the project I did uh, in 2020 called Light Side Up, where we launched a camera into the stratosphere in a weather balloon. No. And we, so that was one of those ideas. I was just like, Hey, the Northern lights are cool and getting off the ground would be cool. So what if we just do this absolutely ridiculous idea? And uh, my girlfriend was like, well, I know that I can't tell you no. So I guess let's find out. And uh, <laughs> it was during the pandemic. I had nothing to do. So I just lived on Google and I was like sending emails to atmospheric physicists and uh, like just randomly calling research laboratories and we ended up doing it though. We launched a camera into space and we became the first people to get 4k video of the Aurora Borealis from the stratosphere. It's really cool. It's on YouTube. If you want to check it out. That's amazing. I will. Yeah. And that's actually how I found out about you it was actually first through Twitter. So when I asked, just so you know, just for your own knowledge, I was not clout chasing in any way for your 130,000 <laughs> uh, Instagram followers. I had no clue until I, cause I'd followed you. Like you showed up as a suggested to me, through something else. And then I've been following you on Twitter for a little while. I'm like, all right, this guy seems cool. And then I go on Instagram and it's like, Oh, cool. He's actually, I'm like asking this person who probably is very busy for some time to fucking just chit chat. No, it's, I've actually been in the pre-production stages of like the biggest project of my life. And so I've been doing like 10 hours of zoom calls a day for the last week, but this, this is nice because this is like fun. Yeah. Right. What's <laughs> so what this, is this? No, this is good. What is the project? Can I ask, can I, can you give details on it? Yeah, I actually, I asked everyone involved before this, if I was allowed to tease it, I have to be a little bit cryptic. It was the answer. Okay. Be a little um, cryptic. So <laughs> I'm down with cryptic. I'll, I'll not pry too much. Okay. Yeah. I, they didn't get more specific with me than that. So <laughs> I'm not even sure if I'm going to cross the line, but um, if you're familiar with Kit Delorier, mm -hmm. uh, she's on the North face athlete team she's an incredible human being um the first person to ski all seven summits man or woman the first human being to do that which is outrageous to me um and so we're going to do another big project i'm i'm filming a documentary about her 
we're going somewhere very remote. I've been spending like three hours a day on the Stairmaster because she is, I think, like 15, 20 years older than me and absolutely will kick my ass. Yeah. So, yeah, it's awesome. I'm really excited, very overwhelmed, (laughs) extremely busy but yeah and credit where credit is due i think photographers never get enough credit for how fit they have to be for these things like i don't know jamie walter's a good friend of mine and like i'm watching him like ski tour with like andrew drummond who's a fucking monster while like carrying all this equipment with him and like lugging everything around and i'm like he's doing the same shit he's just carrying all the gear too you know so it's like that's super underrated Totally. Yeah. I mean, when Kit skied Everest, Jimmy Chin climbed it. Yeah. And Jimmy's it with like her. the perfect example. Yeah. He, he was the photographer when she skied Everest and it was like, he did the exact same thing with skis on his back, but also a full size. It was a Nikon D 800. It was like a full frame DSLR with the, it was just unbelievable. The dude is an animal. I, yeah. I don't want to pull my camera out like at the resort. Like, never mind on shit like that. And obviously different, like, this is a totally different world. But, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, props to you guys. Stairmaster for three hours does not sound fun. Uh, be, it's the worst. Try, yeah, oh, yeah, dude. It's miserable. <laughs> ten minutes. I go to the gym, and I'm like, ten minutes of Stairmaster, and I killed it. That's my, like, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I'm going on, like, a big skin tomorrow because i need to like do it outside i can it's one of those things i can yeah. hike for like eight hours and i'm right. fine but yeah, an hour on the stairmaster and i'm like i hope this building collapses <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah for sure oh, it's completely yeah. valid i had no idea that you were a skier this is fun like this is a totally different i did like i said i did minimal research my research was twitter today oh sweet awesome i actually bought a new pair of skis today which is exciting what'd you get i uh, i got the atomic backland 100s he's sick they're about two pounds lighter than my current touring setup. I love my touring setup, but I was like, for this project specifically, saving even two pounds might be the difference between my legs falling off. Yeah, and not. So. Are you doing? Are you doing a full pin setup? Like pin yeah. binding? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I was gonna ask you what your din setting was, but I guess that's kind of irrelevant if we're going full pin. Yeah, I don't. They do ask you, and you like have to make a choice. It's gonna be at nine. Oh, for beautiful. whatever that's worth. Yeah, perfect. But yeah, on. On tech bindings, it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, my yeah. marker kingpins were set to ten last year, and I double ejected just like cruising <laughs> through powder. Yeah, like it was nothing. I don't know. It was so yeah. confusing. That binding is the din setting on a marker kingpin is basically like a suggestion. It's like a, it's like a, eh, it could be this. Like I get, it might be ten. You know, totally. Like, and I, I had them on the first generation of the Weston Grizzly, and I don't want to like talk smack on Weston, but that thing was like a wet spaghetti noodle. So I think it just like, (laughs) I like, I hit something in powder and I think the ski just like fully flexed out from under me and I just was airborne full Superman. It was great. Holy shit. Um, We should talk about backpack speakers. How do we feel about backpack speakers? Uh, A gift from God handed (laughs) down on high. Dude, I have a lot of DMs. People are very angry at me on Instagram about like having opinions on backpack speakers. And I'm like, I did not think that this mattered. Are they pro backpack speakers? I mean, everybody in the comments is against backpack speakers. Everybody in my DMs is is mad that I'm shitting on backpack speakers. It's like being a racist. They don't want to publicly come out and say that they're in favor of backpacks. Oh, that's the fucking quote of the fucking interview. If you are (laughs) backpack speakers are like racist. Like those people are the same. (laughs) Honestly, you can quote me on that. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, you did already you... say you hope they fall in a tree well. So I mean, it's like that's on the internet. <laughs> I mean, like, listen, they know that it's shitty, or they wouldn't be secretive about it. Like, if they, <laughs> yeah, if they can't say it in public, they know that they're being jerks about it. So, like, the fact that they feel yeah. the need to DM you instead of drop a comment tells you that they know they're being a holes. Yeah, <laughs> which sums up the backpack speaker debate right there. Yeah, the outdoor industry has a lot of things that are very like uh, more niche than the industry itself. Like they're very like yeah. e- everything's kind of a little like touchy feely, and it's always been very weird to me. But that was one that I was like, I didn't even expect a reaction to this. Never mind, like a bunch of people being like, one headphone, two headphones, fuck everybody. Like it, it's just like, and maybe it's just the phrasing of the question. I have no idea. It's it's a bizarre thing yeah. that people carry a backpack I- speaker in general. I know. I did see a couple of the responses where they were like one headphone because you don't want to have both in so that it's too dangerous. Like, so I one on you listen to music, the other ear. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. And that's like, I don't I, mind people listening to music. I just like, it's so selfish to assume that everybody around you wants oh, to hear the same yeah. song. Oh, in mountain biking too, by the way, like, it is like, I can't even imagine. Like, if I see someone on the trail mountain biking with a speaker attached to their bar, I am punting that shit into the moon. Like there is no, there's no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is, uh, it's an insane thing to think is just okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, yeah. It's also like there's a lot of egotism there. It's just like my music selection is flawless. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like I have a lot who, of friends who that honestly think thinks that, that way. way. I I have a lot of friends that think that way, and they send me their playlists and stuff, but they don't put it. There's a new level. When you're like, here's a speaker, you're forced to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're already like eight miles from the trailhead. And it's like, dude, you don't think that I came out here to listen to your weird Avicii remix, right? Yeah, like, dude, I'm going to take your skis off and throw them in the woods. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's amazing. Um, anyway, while we're shitting on people, um, Indra, and that's <laughs> also, by the way, uh, all, all of these are said in jest. Like, these are jokes. Like, people oh. need to understand that, like, I don't hate you if you wear a backpack speaker. I just think you're being selfish and maybe you don't know that, right? I think it's always yeah, important. Yeah, totally. Because everybody's always like, why do you even care? I don't really care. It's just that, like, if you're in my view, I'm annoyed with you. Like, I'm, I'm annoyed on the trail. That's when I care. In general, I don't really give a fuck what anybody does when they're, like, not immediately in front of me. Totally. Yeah. It's like if somebody cuts you off in traffic, like I'm going to, I'm going to yell something through my windshield. I don't actually mean it. I'm just like, you're Oh jerk, yeah. If okay. I, yeah. You, they stop and roll down the window. I will not say the same thing I just said again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm way too much of a coward for that. Yeah. How many times are they like, get out of the car? I'm not getting out of the car. No, thank you. I'm also no way. like, I'm, yeah, I'm good. No. Um, yeah. My, my dad actually is the get out of the car guy. And I'm like, dad, just like, don't just, <laughs> Leave it alone. Like, he doesn't actually want to fight. He's like, he's not expecting you to get out of the car. Don't get out of the car. Just fucking relax. <laughs> Just Amazing. Relax. Um, anyway, uh, can I ask you how you build relationships with brands so that they want to hire you again? I think that's one of the things that needs to kind of be talked about from the photography perspective is like, yeah. how do you continue to get work, right? Everybody can get work once, but how do you get work time after time? I mean, I think it comes back to just like, having cool pitches and then like executing your work nicely to me that's kind of where it's at it's like you have to come up with a cool idea send it to this brand get them on board and then deliver great content yeah 
And, you know, it's still kind of rare to have a brand who just reach out to you again. So you yeah. have to constantly be thinking of your next cool thing. And you reach back out to that brand and you're like, hey, remember when I crushed it? Let's do that again. And yeah. sometimes they'll say no. And then I honestly will follow up again. Like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but, you know, like if I pitch a, a brand, or I, I do a lot of work with tourism boards, which is maybe a better example. So like I, uh, I worked with Visit Wyoming. And we pitched Visit Colorado and they they kind of blew us off and then just slide back into their inbox like three weeks later and like, hey, you did a big project with your neighbors to the north and absolutely crushed it. And look yeah. how good their shit looks and yours doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, and just kind of like stay on their radar with what you're doing, especially because they love I mean, you know, everyone's kind of a clout chaser a little bit. So yeah. like if you can come back to them and be like, hey, I won this huge award. I'd still love to work with you. They're like, oh, we want awards, too. And so then. Yeah. Yeah. How I have an ego problem for sure with this kind of thing. So like reaching back out to me, I'm always like, if you don't want me on number one, then fuck you on number two. But I feel like that's the wrong approach for so many things. And honestly, like I say this and then I don't do it. I do exactly what you just did where I'm like, Hey, it's actually like, maybe now's a good time, but it's like, it takes me a year to get over it. You know? Oh yeah. You got to just look at it. Like the, uh, like the ex-girlfriend you run into a year later, like you want her to be jealous and feel like they missed out on something. That's a good, t yeah. That's maybe the right way to look at it is like, all right, like I, who won? I won. Like, this is like, this is good, right? Like we're, we're doing good things. And what are you guys doing? The same thing. Totally. Yeah. It's like, I was, I was pitching you to create Instagram content and you said, no, well now my shit's on a billboard, but you feel like you fucked that one up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, just come out. I mean, maybe phrase it a little more professional. A little, yeah, that, be a but, professional still. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that is kind of the concept. It's like, you know, they want the best they can get. And so I just like to remind them, I mean, also you have to keep in mind, it's like the, the content director for Patagonia probably gets 800 emails a week, maybe a day of people who are just like, I have a camera and I go hiking. Can I hike with the camera and right. your jacket? Right. And so like, you have to just constantly ping them. It, once they know who you are, there's no shame in reminding them. Cause like their inbox is a disaster and their brains are probably half melted. Right. And so like, you have to just stay at the top of their list. Right. And very underrated that the fact that like you're talking to a lot, a lot of times you're talking to one person that's running a handle, right? Even as big as Patagonia, it's like, if you're, say you're DMing somebody, it's like a lot of times you're getting the same person, right? Like very, yeah, very totally. seldom. It's like the outdoor industry is small enough where, okay, you might make a connection and that connection, you'll have that connection through five different brands throughout your own career, right? Like they'll move around. So like it, being good to people at the same token is, is really important, right? And not like just killing the relationship. Which I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm working on being better at, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it is easy to do. It's sometimes it, you get so grumpy. All the other guys in the studio here, like all the other hosts and everybody else is are, like, they hate when I do. And I'm just like, I, it's just because like, this is a thing that I built. Like I feel very attached to it. And then if somebody says no, I'm like, mm. and with photography, I would, yeah, it would be even worse. I feel like, because it's even more personal. <laughs> it's a shot that you took and you're like, this is my work. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Although it's kind of, there's a mixed bag because sometimes like somebody says no to it and then you end up getting a project funded and you get to like go do it anyways. But yeah. it hurts when like you need $10,000 to make a project happen and you get five and then somebody says no to the remaining five and you don't get to do it at all. Yeah. It does. It is kind of tough to get over that sometimes. Yeah.
can I, so I had Peter Cirilli on, I don't know if you know who this is or not, but he's a Vermont based photographer. He's great. Um, he's, he's an amazing young photographer. And one of the things that he said that I was surprised at was that he changes his rates based on who the client is, right? Like he changes what he charges per day rate based on like, okay, if it's a snowboarding thing, I liked it. I'm good at shooting snowboarding. I like it. And I know where their budgets are at. Right. Versus going and shooting a, like he shot a commercial for like Phillips, like light bulbs and electronics and shit like that. And I'm like, okay, so obviously there's a big difference here in what you charge a company like that versus what you charge like a random snowboard company. Um, Do you approach it the same way? Oh yeah, for sure. And it both varies on like the size of the company and my own interest in the project. Um, You know, like when Sony licenses an image from me, it's a higher rate than uh, like Weston backcountry, which is like a small, you know, ski manufacturing company in Minturn. Obviously like their budgets are different. You just can't charge them the same rate. Um, But, you know, simultaneously it's like, um, gosh, what's a, a good example? I mean, like Weston was great. Cause I, I love skiing. I was just excited to like get out and go skiing. And like yeah. that day of work didn't pay very well, but it was like, I went touring for 12 hours with some friends in the Tetons. Right. It's like a good day. Anyways, you almost would have done can... that for free without your camera. Like that would have been a day you would have done and just not worked. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I probably still would have brought my camera even I would have like, you know, <laughs> I go touring and I bring my camera. So it was like, this just was like, instead of taking photos of my friends, I had to be more like, okay, now turn the logo towards me. Right. But it's like a minimal extra amount of work, you know? Right. Um, and so there, yeah, there's a lot of, I actually just did a project in January that paid almost nothing. And it's a good example of like, it was just too cool to pass up. And it was with the uh, United States Agency for International Development. They were working with the country of Georgia, uh, which shares I a border with Russia. I saw some stuff about this. Okay. Yeah. And so they flew me and a couple other people to the country of Georgia. And we were in the Caucasus Mountains of Georgia, Caucasus. They say it, they say it in their language. So I don't know exactly how it, Caucasus Mountains. Uh, and it was like some of the sickest skiing I've ever done in my entire life in a place that I've never been. I skied yeah. in Europe and Asia on the same day because the helicopter dropped us off on top oh, of the mountains. It was the dividing border of the continents. And I was like, how tight is this? That's insane. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, we'd like to take you to that mountain, but it's Russia now. And then we kind of laughed, but now like a month later, it's like, oh, that's a thing they do. Yeah. That's a problem. Maybe don't get stuck there. Yeah. But, um, you know, that was like a good, it paid nothing. And I was gone for like two and a half weeks, but man, it was awesome. I added a bunch of cool photos to my portfolio and just, it was really cool. I'm really glad I did it, yeah. but Is you know, there- they didn't have the money. Right. Right. And, and I get that. And that's total. And I think most people will understand that. I guess I spend a lot of time like talking about like, okay, from the athlete side, don't do shit for free. Like stop doing shit for free. Right. Because you're killing everybody. And I imagine photographers is the same situation. And I have the same issue with like hosting a podcast. I'm like, look, you need to understand what your value is and what you're and like what your target audience is and like, and and all this stuff. And at the same time, I don't want to sound like the person that's like, don't do what you love. It's like, we're all already doing this because we really enjoy it. It's just not getting taken advantage of because of that love and affinity towards totally. what we're doing. So yeah, totally. And like, if you're brand new to photography and you're not sure you're going to be able to deliver quality photos, I don't think there's anything wrong with like doing a gig for exposure. Yeah. You know? No, for like, sure. If it's if new. Yeah. If you're new. Yeah. And a lot of, I'm sure people will hate me saying that, but realistically it's like you shouldn't charge until you are comfortably able to deliver every single time and 
you know, like if a, if a company like Patagonia will send you a free jacket in exchange for a photo, you can say Patagonia is a client. They paid you with a jacket. That's a great start to your career. And I think it's awesome. And if you don't get a good photo out of it, then they're not going to like sue you for failure to deliver. Right. And then work your way up. Once you feel like you're crushing it, then definitely know your worth. Charge big yeah. bucks to companies like Patagonia and little bucks to the, you know, s- small handmade fleeces that come out of Leadville. Yeah. I don't think that like, I don't think anybody's going to get mad at you for saying that because honestly, every photographer I've had on, including Jamie and Peter said the same thing. They're like, look, like until you're good and you can like guarantee not missing the shot, then you can start charging and be like, okay, like I'm going to get the shot. I'm going to get stuff that's worth money to you. Like this is a two way street. And we always say that around here. It's like, we want this to be a mutual benefit, mutually beneficial partnership, not just like a one-time sign on the dotted line and then fuck you forever, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you like learn how to navigate that more as your career goes on for sure. And there's always going to be exceptions. I did a project with Jetboil last year uh, where we were going to take some of their stoves backpack and get some photos. Then it rained on us for six straight days. And I had to send them just a bunch of really mediocre gray sky, miserable looking people. Is that <laughs> and like they were okay? You know, they're fine with it. They understand how camping goes. They're like, oh, it looks kind of rugged. It's like, great, thanks. How often does that happen where you go out with a specific goal in mind and you don't get the goal? Like, and you don't get to the end line? I mean, I usually try to account for weather. I mean, that's always something that you have to account for. Like this next project I'm doing, we're going for three weeks, but the the objective is only going to take us like four days Yeah, just for giving ourselves all that extra leeway. But um, that was like six straight, like we needed like two days to do it. So six days was like, Oh, we have a bunch of extra time. We just yeah. got really unlucky. That's pretty rare. Yeah. So it doesn't happen very much. Okay, cool. I was um, always curious, yeah. like, cause I feel like that's, there's a lot that goes into, especially these like corporate level shoots. And like, even if you go out and you're like, your intention is to get something. I, I, I just wonder how much it ends up being a miss. Yeah, well, and that's part of like the skill, I guess, where like you should be able to, you know, make lemonade out of the lemons. Yeah, you can. That only gets you so far, you know. Like if it just genuinely sucks out, <laughs> there's only so much you can do. But yeah, I guess a good photographer should be able to find a good shot, even if the weather is not great. We have another ad for you today. We're taking a break from our conversation with Nate. Jump right back in, Ethan. So rudely interrupted us in the middle of our conversation to make sure all our equipment was working. And newsflash, it is. Um, because that's what that dude does. Um, new Fisher skis. They're on the wall. They're on the wall at your local ski shop too. Um, everything from, I think a 90, um, which is the pink one right now. And which is not on the screen. Um, the 96 and the one Oh two are kind of my go-to, um, everyday skis. They are an absolute blast. It's a pleasure to ski on a ski that I can ski wherever I want all the time. It is very similar to the old pink ski, except it's more fun. It's more versatile, but also more torsionally stiff. They added a new metal pattern in the ski. It gains a tiny, tiny bit of weight. Like we're talking half a water bottle full in your backpack um, type weight. Uh, maybe not even that much, actually. That's probably I'm probably blowing that so hard in terms of weight differences between the two. I believe they said 200 grams. But um, anyway, new line of skis. They look amazing. How can you go wrong when you make colors as simple and as clean as this? The 102 is the one that I am primarily on. It is Celeste Ski Gang and Navy Ski Gang. We're going to think of better marketing tools down the line for, for the wonderful people at Fisher. 
Um, but right now, if you get the opportunity to ski the skis this spring, do it. It is something you will not regret. And obviously, you can get all the information at www.fishersports.com. Um, or you can just DM me, message me, email me if you got ski questions, size questions, whatever. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a ski shop guy. And I can help you out. So that's that. Thanks. Back to our conversation with Nate. Yeah. So what I was going to ask you is how, and maybe this is too generic of a question and too cookie cutter of a question, but like somebody's looking at you as an inspiration for photography. How does somebody get better? Right? Like that's one of the things that I don't necessarily understand is photography and how you progress with photography and figuring out like what angles to use, what lighting works and all the different kind of tricks that you kind of have figured out over time. Like I, I don't understand that. To me. It's a different language to me. So how does somebody start to learn that language? Yeah, this is actually like my favorite question. I'm definitely going to go on a rant here. I love, I, this. I, I love this question. It's like one of my, it speaks to my core because I stumbled on this on accident and it like really made a huge difference for me. But I mean, at its, at its core, like the very fundamental level is just, you have to take a stupid amount of photos, which is not a helpful answer, but like, you just have to get out and practice, take a thousand photos, go on a hike and just shoot a ton of photos. And then, I mean, try to be deliberate about it. Like, yeah, think about your shutter speed and your aperture and your ISO and like, think about your composition or whatever, but like, you'll get home and out of those thousand photos, you might have like two good ones. Yeah. And you're going to go out next time and you're going to do it again. And out of the thousand, you might have like four good ones. Like it's so easy to look at that and be like, wow, I have 996 awful photos, but that's <laughs> the wrong way to do it. Right. Like yeah. you're improving, like you doubled the amount of keepers. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it's important. Like when you're looking through those to, to look at the ones like those 998, 996 photos, look at why you don't like them. Is it underexposed? Is it out of focus? Is a tree branch looks like it's coming out of the dude's head, you know, and like pay attention to the details of, I did that so much where I was like, I'm going to take a photo of my friend standing on this ridge. And it would look like the river was like coming out of their leg. And it's just like, just weird things like that. And I had to train my eye to like, look a little bit more holistically at the image. Um, but then I think the most important part, and this is like what I get all excited about. And I tell people, I teach a lot of like workshops and stuff. Yeah. So I like teaching. And this is one of the number one things I like to send people home with is that you should don't just look at those 996 bad photos. Look at the four that you like and tell yourself why. Because for me, the improvement is way more important if you have something that you love and you're working towards it rather than running away from something that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And like so, and that down. doesn't have to be your own work either. Like, I scrolled through Instagram and I would see Callum Snape or Jimmy Chin or Chris Picard. And I'd be like, wow, that photo is insane. And don't just like double tap it and then move on. Like, think about why, what's his composition? How did the lighting work? Like, where do you think he was like in a helicopter or do you think he was laying down in the ground? Did he climb up a ridge and let the people ski past him? Like, you know, think like, get yourself a target to work towards and something to emulate rather than just, I see a lot of beginning photographers that just pick their themselves apart. Like, oh, I, I, all these photos are bad. I suck. And it's like, sure. Yeah. To be fair, I still take a bunch of shitty photos all the time. Yeah. But look at the good ones, you know, work towards something great. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. And I think people also start like with really high expectations of themselves too. Like, and I think maybe it's because they think it's easy, right? Like they think, like, oh, you Definitely. have a camera and now I point and shoot. And like, and granted cameras have come a long way. They're really good right now. Like, 
you can everybody can get one good photo maybe out of a thousand like i think is a reasonable expect maybe not everybody but out of a thousand <laughs> is maybe a reasonable expectation and i think people just start with this goal of like oh i'm gonna shoot action photos and like have no idea any of the things that go into shooting an action photo right or like shooting oh, cool. a nature photo or like shooting a landscape like no clue what the difference is in those things are and i think paying attention to that must be really important too right oh yeah absolutely yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's it's just so important to like not get down on yourself, you know. It's um, I mean, when we were in Georgia, uh, do you know who Caitlin Thorian is? She's yeah. an amazing skier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's so she's been on one of the shows out there. in this network for sure. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so she was out there with us, and I uh, I was taking photos her, and she ripped this awesome powder turn, and I missed focus on like 30 photos in a row. I was shooting on a burst, and I was like, great, I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, nice it turn, Caitlin. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you just, you have to like roll with the punches. It's not easy. You're going to mess up. You can't get down on yourself. It was like, okay, stay there. I guess I'm going to ski down. We're going to try that again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Like, I mean, that's part of it. And I think it's, uh, can you actually, this is a funny topic to me always. And I feel like I always end up asking this question, but can you talk about the difference between skiing for the camera and skiing for like, I don't know, just taking photos freely, I guess, because there's a big difference from the and I always ask this to professional skiers. It's never two photographers, and they talk about oh, the yeah. difference in like what their turns look like when they're just skiing oh, for, for the sure. camera versus if they're skiing in video versus if they're just free skiing, right? So, what does that yeah. look like on your end? I mean, on my end, it's like I'm really looking for something that looks exciting. Yeah, you know, like whether that's a big, beautiful mountain in the background or like uh, I mean. I love if you're like tree skiing and it's like everything's shaded and there's like that one shaft of light and it's like try mm. to get the skier like hitting right through that. Like if you're just out on a great powder day, who cares about that, right? You're right. just going to rip through those trees and it's going to be awesome. Uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're skiing for the camera, it's like a beautiful untouched, you know, opening of powder. I'm going to ski the tracked out stuff on the side so that I don't ruin the perfect powder. <laughs> Right. And it's kind of a bummer, but like you have to save it for the athlete, you know, and you like try to find these weird compositions and I'll often find myself skiing down like the kind of wind blasted ridgeline to stay high. Yeah. And then have the athlete going down the gully where the snow is beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like skiing over some, some BS and I'm not having as much fun skiing, but it's like really fun because I'm getting paid to be outside. But yeah, it's my ski days are not nearly as fun when I have my camera with me and I'm like on an assignment, but I love the like process of getting home and having cool photos. So it's worth it to me. Yeah. It sounds like the juice is worth the squeeze, but I think the athletes feel the same <laughs> way too. They're like, okay, if I oh, got for sure. two runs, I'm like two runs is not, not a day, you know, like, but you literally end up spending two runs because you're like, okay, you ski down here and then you shoot and you make one turn and then you go back and do it again. And it's like, you don't end up skiing all day, you know? And as a professional totally. skier, you're not skiing. And that's like one of the weirdest <laughs> totally, things yeah. to me. It's always been one of the weirdest things to me about ski photography especially for the ones that aren't even as much skiers as they're just like mountain athletes. Like they love the uphill oh, as yeah, much yeah, as the yeah. downhill and like, they just get in the zone, right? They start chugging uphill and they can just do this for 12 hours straight yeah. and they take, they go for 10 minutes and you're like, okay, pause. I'm going to go up in front of you and then wait for me to signal and then skin past me and then pause again. And they're like, I hate you. Yeah. They're like, I don't <laughs> want to be your friend after this. Like we don't yeah. need to talk anymore. This is not what I want to do. <laughs> yeah so like i don't pause on the uphill that's just not what happens and you're like well your boot sponsor says otherwise yeah 
Um, this is actually, yeah, very valid, very valid point. <laughs> um, can I, last thing I'll ask you is, uh, do you have other role models that you look towards or mentors in the photography space? I mean, I know you mentioned some of the like hot names in photography, but like, who, who do you look at and you're like, okay, I, I really admire the way that that person shoots. Yeah. I mean, the two pinnacles of like my, my appreciation in the adventure world, Jimmy Chin, I feel like you, I mean, you have to say that it's like illegal to not name yeah, him if you're talking some, about adventure somewhere photography. around in this room. Like it's, yeah, this stuff is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Renan Ozturk also amazing. Yep. Uh, just excellent, excellent photographer, great athlete, really nice guy. And then on the other side of things, like the not human powered adventure kind of things, um, I love Paul Nicklin and Christina Mittermeier. Um, Christina is Paul's wife or Paul is Christina's husband, depending on how you like to look at things. Um, they do like just conservation style photography. So it's like incredible wildlife, some landscapes. Uh, Christina does a lot of like humanitarian style stuff, which is really cool. It's something that I never do. So I, I don't have any experience with it, but I just really appreciate um, you know, they have such established careers, but they'll go to like, you know, destitute local economies in third world countries and they'll use their photography to like help benefit that area or they'll go to Antarctica to like share the story of climate change and uh, beyond their work being absolutely beyond reproach, like flawless artists. I just really, I think they're like good people doing good stuff. That's really rad. I think those are, those are all amazing answers. Um, actually, Last, last thing that I'll ask you, and it's because it gets kind of brought up a lot. Um, and we even brought it up a little bit. So, social media, photography, What what's the best platform for photography right now? I mean, how what is the best way to consume photography? I think Twitter right now. I knew Instagram, you were going to say that, and I fucking agree with you. Yeah, Instagram is in the toilet, yeah. ready to be flushed. <laughs> I mean, like, I follow people. I have friends who are incredible photographers. <laughs> And they're posting like iPhone videos of themselves putting their boots on and dancing. And I'm like, I hate this. I want to see your photos. What is, it's yeah, I get God. I, I, so Twitter is the way to go. Um, I, this is like sort of hashtag sponsored, but I was kind of brought on as a consultant for a new app called anthology yeah. that is coming out. And actually it's like, we're still pretty, pretty beta on it. Um, they don't actually pay me. So it's not really hashtag sponsored. I'm not like exploiting <laughs> you, but um, they've like been picking my brain about how to make photography apps better. And this one actually, I think looks really cool. Uh, it's coming okay. up. It's anthology us, whatever um, you can find it. It's really cool though. It's like, actually it's designed to like share photography and not just like exploit the algorithm for billions of dollars, which is great. Yeah. Good photography doesn't work on Instagram. Like it doesn't like it, sometimes you get it and you hit it at the right time and it's beautiful and it's like an exceptional photo that people engage with, but it's Instagram is, yeah, it's, People have heard me say this a thousand times, but it's trash. It's like, I'm all I'm doing on Instagram is like trying to figure out how to hack the algorithm all the time and like get my shit to the top so that people will see it. Right. Like that's, that's all it is. Totally. And that's not fun at all. You want to just be able to like post a good photo. Right. I'd like to just post interviews. I'd like to just post like content from people that I interview, but instead I'm like two days a week, I got to make fucking memes or quote a tweet and like put it on Instagram and that stuff gets engagement through the ceiling versus like, I'll post a beautiful photo from a friend or from like somebody that was on the show and it'll get like a 10th of the engagement as one of those other things. And it's a bummer. Yeah. It's, it's so disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. I've posted like a photo that I thought was the best work of my whole career <laughs> and it goes nowhere. And then, yeah, like a, a goofy little offhand video with a snarky comment or caption gets 
10 times the engagement. And you're like, okay, yeah. sweet. It's insane. Thanks guys. Um, wait, well, I want to flip that last question background yes. on you. I want to hear who your favorite photographers are. Like who inspires you? Honestly, it's mostly friends. Like it's mostly people that I know really well, like, and I've seen work kind of, um, like I really like Brooks Curran. Like he's amazing to me. Jimmy Chin is like, Jimmy, Jimmy Chin is the answer. Like if we're being totally <laughs> honest, um, sure. Chris Burkhardt is great. Like those, like those dudes are both like at the pinnacle, but I really appreciate like, uh, Blotto and Peter Cirilli. Like those are got like Cirilli, especially like has a different view on the way that he shoots photos. And like, if you haven't seen his work, you definitely should check it out because I'm checking it out right now. Okay. Right, how do you spell his last name? Uh, C I R I L L I. I think it's just Cirilli photo. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He um, popped right up. He's rad. Like he's just like, he's oh, a super yeah. nice guy. I had him on the show two weeks ago or something like that. And he's just like a good dude. He just shoots like fun photos and he like is with the right people. But like, that's the kind of dude that I'm talking about. It's like, he shoots, like he'll do an ad for Phillips and he'll go like shoot with Zeb Powell just for fun. You know? Yeah. Like that kind of shit. That's what's up. That kind of shit's rad. So, um, I agree. That's like, those are the kind of people that I look at. And Jamie, honestly, Jamie Walter, like Jamie Walter to me is like the dude, like he's, uh, (laughs) that dude, that dude shoots photos and like does ads for people that are like, not necessarily because the the actual photography, but because of the creative look that he takes on things and like the setups that he goes through um, to actually set some about. of this stuff up. Like that dude is a fucking genius with that stuff. Um, so props to Jamie Walter. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really the like secret for ski photography is you're not just like whipping your camera out when somebody's ripping past you. It's like the best ones are fully staged and you'd like take the time to find the shot, but man looks great yeah for sure um cool well nate thank you for doing this uh where can people find you on the dreaded instagram and on twitter and anywhere else and your website uh give people the whole deal and anything you got going on right now um yeah my name around the internet is nate in the wild so anywhere you search my name is nate i'm in the wild pretty much all around the internet you can find me with that (laughs) i love that um yeah yeah oh i guess my my website is nateluby.com. I own nateinthewild.com. The website's going to be live in like a day or two. So maybe by the time this comes Tuesday, out. Tuesday, yeah, this will come out Tuesday. So I guess. It'll oh, be. yeah. Okay. I should be done by then. Yeah. So nateinthewild.com. And that's it. And then I am working on a big secret project that I wish I could promote, but maybe I'll come back on when it's come it's back on. Ready we'll to do pop. it. We'll, we'll push it when it's ready. I can't wait to talk about it in the past tense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you actually get through it. Yeah, totally. Okay. Right now, it's just mostly like stress and suffering, and yeah, that, that yeah. whole bit. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that was our episode with Mr. Nate in the Wild, uh, Nate Luby. Uh, go to his website, check it out. Uh, Nate in the Wild is going to be live shortly. Uh, awesome new project coming out in the fall. I will tell you about it in the fall when he comes on the show and explains it to us. Um, once again, thank you to our sponsors, Fisher Skis, uh, Sierra Nevada Brewing and the wonderful people at spot insurance uh, be sure to check all of those brands out especially spot we have a landing page link uh in our description so um show them that you give a shit about your safety and your uh protection and you're like i don't know what is it called when you like are trying to be preemptive about your i guess it's insurance <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's just insurance but yeah anyway Go get your insurance at spot, getspot.com.